What's up, K Corner Podcast? How are we doing today? First off, I'd like to thank you guys as always for following and supporting the channel. You can follow me at, at K Corner Podcast 12. You can also uh, match with me or get invited to the group on Facebook at K Corner Podcast. I appreciate and thank you guys as always for listening. I'm reaching still, like I said, my goal is 150, and then we'll figure out how this thing goes. I'm going to be investing and in maybe putting some ads out there. But if you guys are, you know, you're the reason why how a channel grows, you're the way that channels grow, word of mouth, really appreciating it. If you guys like and enjoy listening, to my content. Obviously, I'm here if you guys want to talk about other sports ideas and stuff like that, but it'd be awesome if you guys could, you know, recommend a friend or something like that. I'm sure that that for any of you who do enjoy this content, that's what you're doing. So thank you for that. That's how we grow channels and that's how we get, you know, a fun community possibly out of all this. First off, I'd like to um, apologize for not uploading yesterday. Um, Just wasn't feeling well. I ended up not going to work. Uh, extremely bad cold headache, migraine, um, was super nauseous, uh, and had a super sore throat. So I'm trying to avoid all that. Um, and on top of that, I'd also going to have a slight change to the upload schedule this week. So obviously today I'm going to double podcast it. I'm going to have a secondary on Invincible, the TV series that's animated on Amazon Prime. I suggest if you guys haven't watched it to go watch that. It is absolutely astounding. Great Great, great content to watch if you're at all interested in any animated type of works. Um, on top of that, tomorrow I'm going to upload mostly in, mostly in regards to the NBA Finals. I'm also going to be covering a lot of the MLB news. Um, I'm just going to do a slight glance over because I'm going to back-to-back podcast upload on, on sports days. That's that's really my my goal. Wednesday, or that, so that's Wednesday. Thursday, I'm not going to have a podcast. Friday, my goal is to have a um, quick outline and overview of what happened in the week of sports, you know, outside of Wednesday, um, you know, just really Thursday news. And um, then I'm planning on doing another NFL upload. The NFL season is quickly approaching, and I want to make sure I get all of my uploads in before the season is over um, in regards to divisions. So I'm going to have to see what I did last time and move on from there. On top of that, we're going to be having a Saturday podcast. Uh, It looks like I'm going to be sitting home alone for most of the weekend, maybe going golfing. Um, But my plan is to have a little bit different, a little bit more um, unique take on my channel that maybe maybe doesn't fit my channel. But I'd be remiss if I didn't try to expand maybe some of the topics that I could talk about. Because if if anyone knows me, I enjoy talking and going to long-winded conversations, especially when I'm drunk around a bonfire. And that's kind of what inspired me to have this podcast is I might call it like Bonfire Saturdays or have it called like the Bonfire Talk, where I more kind of just sit around and, and ask questions and, you know, perpetually like engage in, in ideas and thoughts. And I have a really interesting, I think, take on on uh, this, this how I'm going to approach this topic on Saturday. I don't think all my takes are unique. I don't think I have, you know, many unique takes. I'm a <laughs> straight white guy from West Michigan that can't get less unique than that. But I, I do want to kind of engage that content. See if you guys like it. Maybe you will, maybe you don't. But that is planned on Saturday. And on because I'm doing that, Next Tuesday is going to be The Boys Season 1 review. All right, we're going to have a Thursday movie upload the following week and then The Boys on the following Tuesday Season 2. So I'm going to try and give you guys some you know, further outlines, further guidelines on when I'm going to be uploading, what I'm going to be uploading, just because I think overall 
it makes it easier for you guys to kind of read up and watch. I consume, in my opinion, too much media. I watch too many movies, too many TV shows. And because of that, I also binge watch. So because of that, I, you know, my expectations for a TV series that's too, you know, that are all hour longs is like, I can probably finish that in minimum a weekend, but people do a lot more than me. And I ended up binge watching it over the last few days. and I'm almost done with season two. So my plan is to really just you know, keep going, keep chugging along. Every Monday, Wednesday is obviously uh, a sports day. Monday, um, the big sports day, I think we can all agree on that, is that Monday is the, the day that I kind of have the most news because I didn't upload since last Wednesday. So I have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday content to kind of give you. With that being said, we're going to be moving on. NFL news, Aaron Rodgers reportedly turned down a huge contract, making one of the highest paid quarterbacks, also extended him for two years. And I think this is one of those signs that it's too little too late. I don't think Aaron Rodgers really cares about the Packers organization anymore. That's not to say the fan base. I know a lot of people connect the fan base with the organization. But that's like, oh, I hate Nike as a corporation. People who shop at Nike, I get why you shop at Nike. Like, why do you think you use an Apple phone even though it's made you know, immorally, you could say it's because I don't usually tie. Now, some companies like Supreme is an example that I would probably tie the company with the demographic because they don't even sell things. They, they, they just brand things. They're just a brand, which you could be like, well, yeah, Nike's kind of the same thing, but like they're just putting Supreme on the side of a sledgehammer for like 250 bucks. Yee yee. With that being said, Aaron Rodgers is, I think, past the point of no return in this conversation, and he is kind of turning and, and looking elsewhere. I think the likelihood every day approaching camp that he isn't traded, we're likely looking at a sit-out season, and I don't know what that looks like. Aaron's not at the front end of his career um, trade value. He still has, I think, two years left on his contract after this year. I think he has three years left total, but two years if he foregoes and doesn't play this year. But I I don't know how that all kind of turns out. A lot of the league rumors is that the Packers aren't really budging. They know they messed up, but they're trying to make up as much ground as they can. And on the other side of things, a lot of the players kind of seem to think that he's going to turn around and, and participate in the team. Now, whether that's Aaron trying to be nice and saying like that, or the teammates are trying to lie to make sure that everyone doesn't go up in flames, who the players have more loyalty to, Aaron Rodgers or the organization, I don't know at this point, but I'd be I'd be surprised either way, which doesn't make sense, but I just I I think either way when the news comes out, it's going to be huge news and it's going to be important news because Aaron Rodgers is literally the only thing to making the NFC North a wide open division. Now, I don't think the Lions have real any chance, although they do every year. But I, I honestly don't think that they have a real chance at making making a difference, making a making a change. And I, I think the one place that, that does have a difference and does have the ability to make make a change is is the Bears. I think without Aaron Rodgers, I think the Bears who play the Vikings really well are the leaders in the division. They made the playoffs last year with incompetent quarterback play. The pressure will be off. Justin Fields will be perfect. They can play around with Andy Dalton through the first half of the year because this division isn't going to play away from them, and I really like those odds. With that also being said, Cam Akers is out, uh, tore his ACL. Huge injury that hurts the Rams' backfield. The Rams' backfield isn't inherently deep, but they did go and get a running back. Uh, High top-end 
talent, I guess you could say, with not a ton of production out of Memphis. I wouldn't at all be surprised if he's one of those guys that kind of shoots out of the rookie pool where he has elite talent, elite skills, um, and it's really just coming down to whether he gets the looks and he gets a good fit in the scheme that they're in. I think this puts Matt Stafford in a comfortable position, though. He's never really had a run game. I think the line there is mediocre. He's going to be running for his life a bit, and I think it kind of works against uh, McVay. However, I think overall this is an, is an opportunity for Matthew Stafford to prove his haters wrong, to show them that he has the abilities, that he has the capabilities to lead you know, a somewhat competent organization, a somewhat competent franchise. And I, I think the one thing that I'm going to love, and this is true to me because this guy is just unbelievable. Huge show, man. He came out again. Oh, here come the excuses. Like, it's not an excuse to say that their starting running back went down with an injury. I just don't understand the, the, the pure hate. Like, I get if, if he would be, like, indifferent of him. Like, hey, I didn't really like him here. The Lions fans kind of fell in love with him. But to me, he was just never that guy. But it's, like, a personal thing for Huge. Like, did, did he hurt you? Did he make fun of you or something? Did he did he come out and crack a joke at you where you're at a family dinner where he's like, yeah, you're an idiot? Because like, it feels personal at this point. It, it just, from, from my vantage point, it feels super, super, super personal. I don't know. That just may, that may be me. Maybe I, and I don't even hate huge. I think he has, I follow him on Twitter. I think he has some solid takes, but holy shit. He's just, he's just way out of bounds here. Um, on, on top of that, I'm going to be talking about MLB real quick. We're moving on to the open and then we're going to be finishing with the NBA finals. Kind of my thoughts on the series so far. I watched the game Saturday night. It, it was pretty good, but another failure out of the Suns, you know, where crunch time came down to it and they looked overwhelmed. Tigers news to start off. Spencer Turnbull out. Tommy John. It's becoming an issue in the MLB that Tommy John is really ruining and plaguing a lot of people's careers at this point. Um, I don't know if the MLB has any way to kind of enforce it. It seems like inning limits, pitching limits, it isn't really helping I don't know what the difference is between now and then other than people are throwing with a lot more effort, with a lot more intention, doing weighted balls, training for a long time, and if joints just get, you know, are just getting older. But it, it is plaguing a lot of the MLB, really seeing a, a sharp increase, especially with the amount of innings going down, which means if you guys aren't huge baseball aficionados, not calling myself one, but when, when, when a baseball player gets called into a game and they're coming out of the bullpen or they're going for a three three inning start. They're gonna start. They're gonna try and throw with a little bit more juice. They know they only have to go three innings. They, it's not a hey, I need to manage with what I got, get my five innings, six innings. I, I'm just gonna throw hard and make my shit break as much. And maybe in some of those overthrowing instances, you, you kind of see the 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 moment of injury, the moment of where you're moving so much more aggressively that these tendons and stuff can't take it. But that's terrible news. At the same time, good Tigers news, Akil Badu playing out of his mind right now is just really showing that he had all the tools. He never made it out of high. I think he never made it out of A ball, maybe high A ball. But at this point, his season has been absolutely spectacular. A guy to make a complete jump after being an A ball, an injury keeping him out 2019, 2020, having no minor league uh, affiliation, and then turning it into a hell of a 
2021 where he's hitting, where he's not doing too too much at the plate. He's running bases well, leads the team in steals, playing in decent outfield. I think you'd like to see his arm be a little bit better, but he's making some good grabs in the outfield, running fast. He, he's just doing it all, and it's really good news. Rule 5 pick guy, if you don't know what that means, it's like you didn't get called up or moved advanced enough uh, through your tenure, and the team no longer wants to protect you, and you can get drafted away from your team, basically. But just absolute fantastic news um, that Akil Badu is, is, is doing really well. And the one thing that I will say that has been absolutely awful uh, about Akil Badu, um, out of, outside of the first week, I, I hate when people say that's a bad dude or he's bad dude or anything along the, the, the likes. Like, Jesus. Like, I get the first week. It's kind of fun and everyone's doing it. And we're all kind of aware that it's it's a little cheesy but fun. But I, I just see it so often, and maybe that's because I'm in Tiger's Twitter, but it, it isn't it, guys. It, it's, it really isn't it. I, I think there's so many better ways we could present this, and it's just really grinding my gears at this point when every single time he gets a hit, it's like, look at the bad dude, look at the dude, look at, oh my god, he bad dude. Like, holy shit, just shut up. Shut up. Uh, sorry about that. Just just Tiger stuff, man. Just really irks me. Um, going back, um, I'm really going to highlight two things, and then I'll kind of hint at what I'm going to be talking about tomorrow because I don't want to make this super, super long, have two really long sports conversations in a row. But them will be all-star jerseys, guys. I can't. I don't think I talked about this, but how bad were they? Like, two-button all-star as if I was in Little League jerseys that get brought out with some bum-ass blue and in and, and this weird gold that's only on the AL uniform that, that has no nature of Colorado in it. And I, and I understand that <clears throat> the design team probably made this for Atlanta and maybe they had to do some tweaks and that's why it turned out so generic. But I think I could Photoshop something better in a week, guys. Like you knew for months that it was going differently, and maybe maybe Nike said no, you can't change it now. We've already made all these jerseys, we already have everything kind of printed out, and we just gotta, you know, do the final packaging of announcing the All Star games. But awful, really, really. I really wish that they would have just left it if it was an Atlanta jersey, and they had like a cool theme for the ATL. I would have loved it, but the way that the the logo on the left hand side with the like three letter distinction was on there was just so fucking bad like not only was the jersey boring as shit with no piping nothing unique there was a little frill along the shoulders that looked like a skyline possibly but then you throw that god awful branding of it like ATL and then we're not even getting to the worst part guys they made a professional baseball team in the All-Star game where navy blue pants. Oh my god. There are I can count them. 1 2 I think two teams that I'm completely okay with wearing blue pants. Now, I understand that the Cubs wore their blue pants and the White Sox wore their black pants, whatever. That's neither here nor there. The Phillies and the Cardinals and their powder blues throwbacks are the 
only teams that should ever wear blue pants. I I'm I'm I might allow a a gray, like a dark dark gray, you know the smoky gray that was trending for a while, maybe. But I think I've seen the worst set of jerseys coming out of Nike. Like I honestly can't believe I I think Nike was still Remember when uh I think in 2019 when they had the players weekend jerseys and they were player weekend jerseys, right? Let's let's make jerseys that are 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 important and unique and, and fun and investing. And they were all fucking black with white outlines and all fucking white where you couldn't even read what team you were following. They didn't even have the trim. They didn't even like create a unique look that just has trim and different pieces of the team's colors. Like all white, but all the trim is the team's different colors. So everything popped, right? Like, oh, we got we got the yellow of Pittsburgh. Then we got the maybe the orange of the Tigers. And we got the red of here and the, the dark blue for here. And each team has their own unique piping and striping and stuff. And it was like, nope, let's not do that. Let's make all fucking white jerseys. You can't read a single last name. You can't, you can barely make out a jersey number. The fucking logo across their chest looks like shit. And then their hat, also all fucking white. Like, how do you, how are you that bad at your jobs? Nike, I honestly want to know. Because I could come to you right now. And just by adding a hint of color, just, just a little bit of color, I could make some of your jerseys way better. Like, stop overthinking things. There's reasons why baseball jerseys don't change as much as other uniforms. And I'm not talking about some teams. I'm talking about historically great looking uniforms. I'm talking about the Yankees and the Cubs. Like why are pinstripes huge? Because it's a part of baseball. It, 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 it's, in the, it's in the nature of the game to be a part of baseball. And, and, and then you come out and you're like, what in the shit is this? What is What in the shit? What in the shit? So frustrating. Like, Really, like, who wants to buy any of those all-star jerseys? I don't fucking know a single person. It looks like a BP warm-up jacket that that someone would not buy for three years and then the idea would go away out of the, like, online team store. Not something that's like, hey, this is a one-moment chance to show us what you got. And they just fail. Fail spectacularly, in my opinion. Uh, the last thing I want to hint on is the Oakland A's proposal and uh, plans to get their stadium and funding and everything in downtown Oakland did go through today. It passed its first step. Now, there's still a lot of barriers in place, and there's still a lot of things that got to get taken care of before this project gets carried away and before it's going to be a yes or no. But this is a good first step, considering that for a long time, there's zero conversations going back and forth between the two sides, and that Oakland had really shut down the talk with the A's organization. They said, no, I, I mean, you, we're just too far apart, and we're not really interested. So the pressure that the MLB put on them has really shown to be a net positive to to help them, you know, be back in business. What I'm going to be talking about um, tomorrow is the Phillies pitching staff, what what they're looking like. I'm going to talk about some Marcus Stroman, some racist shit that I saw on Twitter. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Olympics, specifically in regards to the MLB, as the Olympics kick off at the end of this week. Um, ben Zobris' wife being an absolute whore 
and the shooting with the Nationals uh, that happened outside the stadium. I know the shooting. Um, I wanted to talk about it really Sunday after it happened. Monday, if I would have uploaded yesterday, if I wasn't feeling like shit, I probably would have uploaded about it. But we're just going to save that to Wednesday so I can give it a real chunk of time. Because I have two things that I'm going to be talking about. And this is going to be moving on to the NBA, guys. And we're going to be talking about the NBA Finals obviously, but what about the NBA Finals? So if any of you guys watched the game Saturday night, I thought it was a really a tremendous game. And what it came down to is just another moment where the Suns team looks slightly out of depth, where they look like they don't think they should be there. Going up 2-0 in the series, I think they're like, yep, this is our series to win. CP3 felt good about himself. And then you get to the point where they lose by 30, and how much did that rattle you know, their confidence? They have to go and win where only one team's won this postseason over in Milwaukee. And we're going to kind of see how this all plays out um, with 124 left. Devin Booker hits a 27-point 3 27-foot three-pointer, 120 to 117. Chris Ball makes a driving layup to make it 120 to 119. Bucks full timeout. Drew Holiday uh, misses driving, floating jump shot. Devin Booker defensive rebound with 29 seconds left. Devin Booker lost ball turnover in the same way that Chris Paul has it. Turns into an easy and one for Giannis Antetokounmpo, who it was a fantastic finish, and he's a freak. The way he stormed out the court and just bang. He almost hit his head on the back of the backboard. I mean, at his peak, I think he could have, but his arms are so long, he doesn't even have to jump that high to necessarily go get the ball and dunk it. And then after that, it was uh, an awesome offensive rebound, right? So you get a turnover to an and one free throw to a missed rebound to a foul to Chris Middleton missing a free throw to the Bucks getting another rebound. Or, or sorry, the Bucks full rebound, wasn't it? But Chris Middleton making both free throws really, uh, or making a free throw to make the third three point game into a four point game after the offensive rebound, uh, you know, ended end of the game. And that, those are the little things you can talk about the rest of the game. But the fact is, is that when it came down to it, Devin Booker had a huge turnover. Chris Paul had a huge foul to make them go to the stripe. Giannis misses. And then they get the offensive rebound. So it's literally just about not closing out games. Um, we look at what Giannis did. He had himself a hell of a game, by the way. And Giannis has been great this series. I suspect that he's going to be the uh, MVP. He has 14 of 23, 9 boards, 32 points, um, 6 assists. He had 0 turnovers. And it, he's just dominant, guys. And I kind of talked about this, that it's whether Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton can go off. And Drew Holiday, 12 of 20, 3 of 6 from 3, 27 points. Chris Middleton, 12 of 23, 3 of 8 from the 3-point line, and 29 points. And between the three of them, between the three of them, guys, they had themselves a hell of a passing night. 24 assists. Really shows you who's in control of the ball and really shows you you know, the, the top end of what happens when a really, really good team takes control. Um, on the other side, Devin Booker has another 40-point performance, 17 of 33 from the field, and another loss, back-to-back 40-point performances, back-to-back close losses where the the final play really determined the game. Chris Paul had himself an all-right night, 9 of 15. He did, he did put in 11 assists, and I guess this is kind of where Devin Booker isn't, isn't the guy 
not that doesn't want the ball at the end, but why some people have some qualms with him because it's a big game and he scores 40 points and no one's going to question his scoring, but he only has three assists to two turnovers and that doesn't necessarily, you know, step up in the box. On the other end, DeAndre Ayton had 20 points with 10 boards. Um, Mikael Bridges had 13 points. Jay Crowder had 10 points. Really a good shooting performance from this team um, on both sides. They shot 68% from three, 55% from the field, 90% from the free throw line. And, and they still lose while also committing less turnovers. And what that really is a, is a show of is that this Bucks team is just better. Like you, you don't shoot 68% and over 58% and turn over the ball less and, and lose to a bad team. What it comes down to is the little moments and how big you pour it on. I think the best way we can kind of look at this is Milwaukee scores 43 points in the second quarter. They have a huge second quarter, and it kind of changes the dynamic of the game. It changes the way you kind of look at things. Um, and, and what I'd like to say is this series has been good. Anyone who's been complaining about the basketball, um, you're just obsessed with LeBron and want to suck him off, which is fine, but I just want you to admit that. Maybe on live television that you just want to... <laughs> yoink them off a little bit to make yourselves feel better. But this has been great basketball, and what we've seen is that the Suns played two tremendous games, and the Bucks look looked out of their depth. And what did their coach do? He stepped in and, and, and has made adjustments, and it's still that Giannis Antetokounmpo high pick and roll with Chris Middleton, and it, it is really just unstoppable at this point. Uh, in this series, maybe maybe not overall, maybe not when they bring themselves back to the NBA regular season uh, next year, but I think they found something with this lineup where um, it's just difficult to, to stop such an avid roller, right? Someone who's so skilled at rolling, and Budenholzer has done a tremendous job at, at getting this team kind of lined up, getting this team ready for the last stretch of the season. And I think a big portion of, of the onus needs to go to is Chris Middleton stepping up in the series. Now, Giannis has done whatever he's done, and he's been the dominant big man that's trying to control the game from the inside. And it's worked tremendously. And I think that if he doesn't win the MVP, it's literally been stolen from him. And at the same time, I think we kind of have to look at no good player ever wins it alone. No good player ever ever wins anything alone. And he's he needed help. The first two games, he didn't get any help. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton didn't play very well. And what have you seen the last three games is that those two have been playing tremendous basketball. Like, Giannis is still the leader. Giannis is still putting up 40. Giannis is still putting up 30. Giannis is still doing his thing, rebounding, getting assists. But what... Chris and Drew are doing is relieving the stress, relieving the stress of the game where it's no longer a must-have that Giannis dominates the ball because there's no one on the side of the Bucks who can, you know, handle the handle the commotion, handle handle the pressure. And I think that's that's huge. They've let Giannis get out on breaks because they've rebounded the ball better and got it out to him. And it's just all of these things that well-coached teams do this. All the time, they do it, you know, their entire the entire time they're working because they know it. They know it works, and I think one of the huge misinterpretations is is that routinely we put 
the 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 blame on one player, right? If if Giannis scores twenty on seven of thirteen shooting and one of his teammates has I don't know thirty point or has fifteen points when they're averaging twenty two in the season and they're both averaging less than what they average on the season, no one's gonna be like, yeah, mm-mm. that's that's literally on Giannis. And it's just the reality of being a star. And I think what we don't do enough of is Giannis is dominating the series. But the change in the series was that Giannis kept them in the games, right? The first two games were close. They were shooting horribly, playing horribly. And then once he got some help, he got a 30-point blowout, um, a clinching win, and then a lob dunk in their mouth. That, that's literally what it's been. It's been three straight as soon as he got some help. And it's not like, well, you see Giannis isn't a game changer. It's like, if Giannis isn't playing, they're losing by 30 in these games because I don't think they match up as well without Giannis on the floor. And I think that's kind of indicative of his plus minus where he's plus, I think, 16 in overall in the minutes they played in the first two games of the series, which is really an indication. His team was plus 43 with him on the court and minus like 58 with him off of it. And he wasn't even off of it for very long. And that's kind of, you know, the impact that he brings. So that is me wrapping up my talk on uh, the NBA Finals um, for today. We will probably be talking about it again tomorrow, whether it's the end of the Finals or we're going to be getting another game. I really hope for a Game 7, mostly just because I called it, and that'd make me right, and I love being right. But I also think it'd just be absolutely great to kind of see the way that the the it all works, you know, see the way that, that we get to watch the game. Next up, I want to talk about the open championship. First off, we need to shout out the American Colin Morikawa went to UCLA. He is my age born, uh, two months and three days ahead of me. And they're going to be asking what I'm doing with my life. And I'm currently recording a podcast in my parents, uh, in my old brother's room in my parents' house while my girlfriend is 2,000 miles away. So who's winning really in life, guys? No, but Colin Morikawa, he played a tremendous round, um, and he kind of changed He kind of changed the, the, the way that we look at things. And the guy who finished second right behind him, Jordan Spieth, did the same thing when he first come up. Two huge major wins before he turned 25, along with likes, guys like Woods and stuff like that. But... Colin Morikawa isn't big. He doesn't dominate the golf course with huge drives like Spieth and Woods did. And his game is more, I want to—I don't want to say refined, but it's more complete. And he changed his putting grip from, you know, having two hands to saw. And this man is knocking down putts uh, all Saturday, all Sunday. This man was making putts that he shouldn't have been making. He didn't par a hole over, I think, the last 32 or 34 holes, I think, something like that which is absolutely incredible and speaks to how well he was playing on this course. Um, and on top of that, we also got to talk about Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth was uh, on the on the cusp, and I think we can say that he's back. He won a tournament, wins a tournament a while ago. He's been competitive in the last few, and it's just a few moments for Jordan where when we used to see him hit his driver uh, you know, forever away and down the fairway, and it puts him in a good spot to attack the course. He just wasn't there. And 
what we saw happen is that in the third round, the final two holes, it was really his putter that failed him. He ended up bogey, bogey on his last two that pushed him out of being in the final group, playing next to Morikawa and Ustazen. And it kind of led to a, a change in in play, I think you can kind of say. And what ended up happening is that Spieth had to come out, be consistent at the start, and kind of see where Morikawa was playing. And they golfed even the last day, but it, it just wasn't enough. Rounds three and rounds uh, two really proved to be the difference as Morikawa finishes off strong with his second round. He golfed a six under, a two under in his third round, and a four under in his last round. I think the third round, they said it, the the pins and tees and everything were at their hardest spots and longest distance, and I think it played. You see some of these scores. Um, Dustin Johnson shot a plus three. Brooks Kepka shot a plus two. Um, and a lot of two and so overs, and... I think what we can kind of take away from this and what I want people to kind of realize is that they're playing tremendous golf and putts that usually maybe wouldn't have ran in on the open, you know, ended up going in. And that's really the difference. Morikawa got a few lucky bounces where balls spun right and and it ended up, you know, working out for him. I really do want to talk about John Rahm who had a hell of a performance over his last... <clears throat> Sorry, over his last three rounds, he golfed a 12 under over his last three rounds. Uh, I think that ties Morikawa. The only difference was is that Rom shot plus one in his first round. He had a really bad start to the tournament and then came in and golfed some excellent golf. If you see his swing, he swings so hard, so precise, so accurately. And there's actually a thing about him having a clubbed foot that his foot when he was born was rotated over and he ended up having to get it broken. So he has bad ankle flexibility, so he can't take full swings. And it's just really interesting. If you want to talk about it, look it up. Luis Oosthuizen, the South African, ended up 11 under after round two and 11 under after the tournament. His last two days, he didn't really play that well. Um, his putting, I think, is the was the issue the last few days. And his his approach shots weren't great, but it's really his putting kind of failed him. The pin locations got a little bit trickier, and he tended to lay up uh, with his huge lead being 11 under after the first round. And I think I think it bit him in the ass. Um, Brooks Kepka had a tremendous last round after playing plus plus two in round three. He shot five under, and um, we we got to talk about. We got to talk about our boy Brooks Kep or Bryson DeChambeau. He comes out, has a horrible comment about my my driver sucks, and then he golfs an even on uh, day two and apologizes obviously because his comments were being a dick and it didn't feel necessarily earnest. But he came out, apologized, and then the last day ended up golfing five under. And the one thing that I don't understand about golf, and maybe this is just because. Uh, I'm I'm new to this. I I don't necessarily understand everything that everyone else understands, but why do golf aficionados, golf experts, maybe golf nerds, if you will, why do they hate when guys shoot well? Like like it's always blown my mind, right? Like I understand par is what the course should be playing at. But when someone goes out there, and, and like if you just watch Morikawa shots, if you just look and see how well he was shooting in his approach shots, and most most certainly his putting, right? His putting the last day, it won him the tournament. He had uh, two birdie saves, right, where he was in a tough spot and sunk a birdie, and then he had 
I think three par saves, you know, and if, if he misses all of those, that's, you know, if he hits half of them, I still think he loses or it's maybe a final round. And people are like, well, the, the golf course was too easy. It's like, no, you dinks. A few guys played the golf course really, really well. Like 15 and 13 under aren't common in golf. I understand why. But other than the last day, the, the round before, everyone was golfing over. Like the the cut was plus four, I think, or something like that, or, or plus two maybe, plus three. Like that's not a bad cut line. It's just that so many guys played well. It's just that so many guys ended up abusing the course when it was wet is that it's suddenly not a fair golf tournament. Like, that's what I don't understand is like, I want to see people make birdies. I want to see people being aggressive on their approach shot and putting it within a foot of the hole instead of being like, yeah, I'll just two putt for par because no one else is playing well today and I just kind of got to lob it in and then get close on my putt. Like, I want to see this craziness where a guy shoots 15 under while, you know, we see huge, huge lead changes where a guy like John Rahm who was only uh, seven under through two days, ends up golfing a four under the last day and finishes top three, right? And I think that is what we want is guys who can go out and play the course really, really well to go and play well. There's there's four dudes who golfed four under, or there's three dudes who golfed four under on the last day, another dude who golfed five under, and everything else was pretty even or, or worse. And I just think that, you guys get so obsessed with, well, it's the pod game and it's the gentleman's game and we got to have the, the, the sand pebble beaches lie just correctly and we really need it. Like, just shut the fuck up and enjoy people playing golf way better than you. Like, can we not do that? Can we not just watch the game how it's intended? Like, just watch. Just be like, wow, I can't believe on the 245-yard approach shot that he put it within five foot of the pin and then made a downhill left-to-right putt. Like, would you want him to play so he had an uphill putt and he can two-putt? Like, no, you dickbag. The course just wasn't very challenging. Or, or let me let me blow your mind for something. The conditions made it a bit easier to play, and people golfed well this weekend. Can we just not have good golfers? Do you want to see everyone struggle with the course? Like, is it fun? And I understand, they got to respect par, and maybe 15 under is a bit ridiculous. But I don't want to see people play golf poorly. They don't want to see them given holes, right? And I think the first two days, I think that could be argued as a fair. I think the course was really easy with how wet it is, and the pin in, in adjustments should have been a little bit more aggressive. I think most people would, would understand and agree on that. But holy fucking shit, if it would kill you to enjoy watching the last two days where guys are golfing well. And this is the funniest thing, is I think this person wasn't even American. And can I just say that England slash Scotland, right, the UK... They invent sports and then aren't good at the sports they invent. I brought this up on soccer, and I'm going to do it a goddamn game. America, right? American 13 colonies. Where's Scotland in uh, this this pack? You guys used to own us, right? Pretty effectively. Um, and the guy, the only guy that played well for Scotland was Robert McIntyre, who played eight over on the end of the course. Congratulations to him. I'm not trying to roast him. But South Africa had two guys placed in the top five, and let's just get something straight. 
You guys helped with an apartheid state there, and they're better at golf than you! They're better at producing golfers in a literal state where they were didn't allow black people to do anything because they were da goddamn racist English people. And you guys are like, oh, I don't know, mate, we can't really hit the golf ball straight anymore. Like, I'm not trying to roast your nation, but stop inventing sports you're not that good at. Like, is it that difficult? Outside of the top eight with congratulations, I'm not attacking uh, Robert McIntyre as a golfer. I respect every single nationality as a golfer. I'm just talking about, like, the nation and the group of people who are fans of the sport, who are always just the most ridiculous. Well, we invented the sport. The cup's going to come back here. We are the English. We conquered all these countries. We gave you these sports. How dare you be better? Um. Oh, still. Oh, see another South African place better. Aaron Ray. Oh, there we go. Ian Poulter, top 19, top 26. Congratulations to them one real quick. But in all actuality, and I mean this with, with all of my ability, it is hilarious. And I mean, honestly, it makes me laugh that golf people don't realize that no one likes them. Like, golf people, stop being snobs and just let people enjoy your sport. Don't be like, well, it wasn't a very good outing. Some some Asian-American goddamn immigrants, am I right? Uh, ended up golfing much better than any of the Scottish. And honestly, like, he shouldn't even been over there. That doesn't even make sense. Like, goddamn, like, really? That, come on. Like, and I know that's not what they're saying, but I'm just, I'm just rambling and, and you guys hopefully understand that this is all humor, that what I'm trying to say is, is that people that act like a sport is theirs because they invented it or act like uh, an activity it is only played their right way are the reason why we have so many dumb arguments in every country everywhere. Like, does it make sense that, that we're arguing about a guy who touched a blade or that touched and patted down a little bit of sand or brushed a ball accidentally because he moved a piece of grass three feet behind him and it moved a ball to dimples. Are we really concerned about is that are those are those the arguments we want to have or should we say, hey, a 24 year old just won his second major. Should that be the point? Or should the golf course being too easy be the point? Because I think we need to be like, hey, this kid just dominated at a Lynx course the second time he's ever played a Lynx course. He played in the Scotland Open um, last week or two weeks ago to get prepared for it. He didn't play very well. He's like, yeah, I needed to do that. I already got my ass kicked. And then he goes out and dominates the competition. Like, that's absolutely incredible. Let's talk about it. Let's, ooh, let's go. That ends my ramblings. But I thank you guys, as always, for listening. I'm going to be uploading, like I said. I'm going to be continuing to try and be more consistent, letting you guys know schedules. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you for supporting my content. I still see a lot of Washington viewers. Ohio viewers, I, I see you down there. I'm going to stop trying to shit on your state. It's nothing personal. I'm just from Michigan. And I don't, I don't hate you. I just don't like your state. It's just I don't like your state. I like you guys, maybe, as long as you're not Ohio State fans. You don't live in Ohio. You don't ever wear red. No, I'm kidding. But thank you guys 
wherever you're listening from. Um, I appreciate all of it. Obviously, um, friends and people, if you guys want to hit up my stream, want to interact with me, you always can. My DMs are uh, hopefully open. I've been trying to have them open. You can interact with me through the Anchor app. But I appreciate you guys so much. Hope you guys have a wonderful night. The corners have been painted.